welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. We have come to the final episode in our epiphany journey, friends. We have been spending each and every week learning about a different characteristic of Jesus. And as we finish up the season of epiphany and move into the season of Lent, we have one last episode. And one of the things that happens at the end of epiphany every year is it always ends with Transfiguration Sunday. And we read that story about Jesus being transfigured on a mountaintop. Well, that is the Sunday that's coming up in just a few days here. And so I am so excited about this intern Rita is going to be telling us a little bit about Jesus the transfigured, what that means, why that's significant. Oh, but wait, there's more. It's not just intern Rita. As you might remember, she was away last week uh, doing some coursework in Columbus, Ohio as part of her seminary studies. And so she recruited two of her classmates who are also seminarians on internship and they're helping as well. So this is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about it. Uh, Special thanks to intern Rita for coordinating all this and to her friends Morgan Walker and Sammy Dubiasio. I hope I said that right, Sammy. Um, they are both interns, and they'll introduce themselves when this all starts. I'm going to turn it over now to Morgan, Sammy, and intern Rita. Hello, everyone. This is intern Rita, and I have some special friends with me. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourselves? Yes, hello. I am Morgan Walker. I am the intern pastor serving at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Livonia, Michigan. And I'm Sammy Dubiasso, also an intern, but not in Michigan, sad. Um, (laughs) But I am an intern at First Lutheran Church in Waltham, Massachusetts, which is right outside Boston. Nice. So yeah, we have east coast people with our you know yes. mountains so right. we're gonna all get the perspectives. all the perspectives yeah. on this podcast uh so they have agreed to chat with me this evening well i guess it's evening when we're recording this but maybe not evening when you're listening to this but we're we're chatting this evening yes. about uh the transfiguration Ooh. fancy i know i know uh, which is a big word that we maybe we'll dive into a little bit later. Um, but this comes from Luke 9. Uh, so Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36, which Sammy has graciously offered to read for us. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure when he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. 
Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. All right, so we're going to once again use the Lectio Divina tool to look at this text. And so starting out, our first uh, piece of that Lectio Divina tool is the narrative piece. So we're going to look at what is going on in this text and around this text. So I think... Morgan has what's around it. I sure do. Yeah. So just before this in Luke 9, I have a heading that says, Jesus foretells his death and resurrection. So um, he's gathered with the disciples. He tells them, commands them not to tell anybody that the son of man must undergo great suffering. Mm -hmm. So we get that before this text. And then right after it, Jesus heals a boy with a demon, a healing story. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's kind of interesting to look at that um, and when we look at what's going on in this text because uh, at the end of the, in what, verse 36, he said, and they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. So they're, we're keeping that like theme of silence going on um, between what happened before and yeah. after, um, which we'll dive into a little bit later, but I always think that it's interesting with Jesus running around and doing the healing and doing those things, but then everyone's told to be silent about the stuff. Like, yeah. it's like, you would think that people would see what was going on and like right. think that this was weird and be talking about it, but there's like such this theme of silence that kind of runs yes, through all these. For sure. I think it's interesting that we don't hear Jesus speak at all in this whole passage. Mm. Like there, mm-hmm. there's just like images of Jesus and what's happening with Jesus. And this is Peter, John and James and whoever else was with him, but not anything from Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That and, is interesting. Yeah. I didn't notice that before. Yeah. And I always thought their, their silence was out of fear because this passage is talking about the fear that, um, that Peter, James, and John have in this moment. Um, so that that's an interesting thing too. I also think it's interesting that the transfiguration is sandwiched with these two things before it and after it, mm-hmm. that you get this foretelling and then this visible sign of what Jesus has just foretold. And then they go on with their with the regularly scheduled events of healings <laughs> and yeah. speaking to people. And it's an interesting sandwich. Yeah, so I think we touched on most of the narrative pieces that basically uh, the disciples uh, or some of the disciples go with Jesus up to a mountain to pray. uh, And then while that happens, um, you know, Jesus's appearance changes and his clothes become white, um, as we heard. And then we see with uh, with Jesus, Moses and Elijah, which we know from the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, um, as being really important figures that are lifted up. And, uh, you know, and so, I mean, I think it's understandable that the disciples in that moment, you know, seeing this dazzling white and seeing these really important figures that they would have been familiar with, um, having the response of uh, wanting to make dwellings and wanting to, um, you know, have places of worship there because it's suddenly became a holy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and then too, we get 
that tipping back to when Jesus was baptized and how uh, God our voice comes from the clouds that says, um, you know, this is my son, the beloved. And now we're getting, this is my son, the chosen, listen to him. Um, so we're getting that, the voice from a cloud again. Uh, and then they were kept silent. What was what we told, talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to our second piece, which we kind of tipped in a little bit too, and that's the allegory piece. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what sticks out to you and what could be the deeper meaning. Uh Yeah. Which I kind of jumped the gun a little bit on just because I like was so excited about that yeah, silence piece. Because yes. like it, I, um, you know, this is the, the fun part about looking at the text that comes before and after. Like I wouldn't have noticed that silence piece if I just read this chunk of text yeah. and how that theme runs through it. Yeah, And I think, Sammy, your observation about, you know, we don't we don't hear Jesus's voice at all in this, yeah. um, which is really interesting. And I'm thinking about you know, the the one piece we, well, there's a lot of pieces we don't get when we read scripture in this way, but it's hard to tell how Peter is saying, master, it's good for us to be here. Is mm-hmm. it, is it boisterous? Is it fearful? Is it, what is, what is Peter's voice in that? And so I'm trying to wrestle with that and think about how would Peter say this and what's the mood here? Right. I'm also noticing Another piece that's sticking out is in verse 32. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men stood with him. Um, And I think that's interesting too. Like, you know, as we're looking towards Lent and looking um, towards Holy Week, we know that when Jesus goes to pray in the garden, that the disciples fall asleep Mm -hmm. and aren't able to keep asleep or aren't able to keep awake and, uh, you know, pay attention to what's going on around them. And so uh, it's interesting that we have that piece here that they were able to stay awake, even though they were way down with sleep and they saw uh, this glory revealed. Great minds think alike. I was going the same way, Rita. But actually, as you were saying that, it also made me think of something else that stood out to me, which is, um, and you were hitting on this a little bit earlier, Morgan, but like Peter says, like, Jesus, it's good for us to be here. And then this cloud comes in and they're terrified. So just like mm-hmm. this tension of like, they want to be where Jesus is. And also it's really like scary and unknown and and I'm imagining like cloud just being this space of like uncertainty and ambiguity Mm -hmm. and like not knowing what's coming ahead and Jesus knows that he's on the journey to the cross I mean like we're in chapter nine here so like we're getting there but they don't know it whether or not Jesus has continuously told them like Mm -hmm. they continue to not be aware of like the journey to the cross that's coming And it's, like, both good, like, there's that tension, like, good to be here and also, like, mm-hmm. scary and hard. And Yeah. I'm also thinking about how disorienting that could be. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm imagining times where I've been in a thick fog or spaces where, you know, you can barely see your hand in front mm-hmm. of your face, that yeah. kind of cloudy space, and how disorienting that can feel, especially when you know, Jesus is shining and then these two other people appear out of nowhere and there's a lot of other things going on. Um, Disoriented is the word that's coming to me. I'm also wondering how they knew it was Moses and Elijah 
Because, I mean, yeah. like, in, I mean, we obviously know the characters of them as they're recorded in the Hebrew scriptures. And, uh, you know, we get some description of them, but um, I wonder if, like, that was revealed to them, too, or if they were just guessing that it was Moses and Elijah. Because, you know, if two people appear, especially if it's, um, like, we've been kind of talking about, like, a, a cloud and fog and that being mm-hmm. disoriented, like, were they shadows? Were they, uh, like, really vivid images in front of them? Like, I yeah. think that would be kind of interesting, too, to think about. Yeah, it's also interesting to think about the tradition that's imposed on that, um, the tradition of, you know, you see two figures next to this Messiah figure who's been prophesied, and the tradition that comes in with that, that Moses and Elijah carry with them. Mm-hmm. And it's usually, it you know, usually we get angels standing besides the figures in the distance and um where mm-hmm. now we get two other characters which is just interesting to think about too of like that switch yeah also man there's a lot going on there's <laughs> a lot going <laughs> and on all things sense. that we're excited about us mm-hmm. three intern pastors <laughs> um but I am really struck by now that you are saying this about the clouds and the contrast, like the word dazzling in this text. Mm. I, big Bible fan, have gone into the Greek. Yes. Yes. (laughs) bringing the Greek. I was just going to ask. And so I will pronounce this incorrectly and I am so sorry, but here it is. The word for dazzling here is ex exastrapto and it does not occur anywhere else in the new testament i was gonna ask Mm. about that and it means to properly send forth lightning light it means to shine and to be radiant and the only other reference that is in here is to um ezekiel chapter one um and that's a translation, right? Because Ezekiel was written in the Hebrew scripture, mm-hmm. so it's not Greek. Um, but I just, yeah, like, what does that mean in comparison to this cloud? Like, and Jesus continuously being shared with us in the Gospels as the light of the world, mm-hmm. the light that shines in the darkness that will not overcome it. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to me like, that's the direction we're going also. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. Like his clothes are literally like properly shining. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, and dazzle such a vivid word mm-hmm. to describe that. And I, and I don't know if dazzling white is the best translation in my opinion. Because <laughs> like that word right, white there doesn't necessarily mean the color white, but like brightness and okay. um, just comparatively white as whatever, whatever. But yeah. Interesting. So moving on to our third section, um, which I think we're also kind of tiptoeing towards and tipping towards, which is good. Um, and that's the contemplation section. So what is stirred up by this passage and how might we apply this meaning to our own lives? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, hmm. 
So this one's a hard one. Like, I feel like sometimes passages, like, instantly you have where you think you um, can see a connection with your life. But this one, I feel like because it's kind of set apart, because it is the text for Transfiguration Sunday, and that's, you know, uh, more of a celebration than the average Sunday, it just it does have an air about it being more special and yeah. set apart. You could say it's dazzling. It, it, you could. <laughs> you could. <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah. I just think I'm I'm thinking of me. I'm thinking of just the context in which I have the privilege of serving and just this entering of a cloud. Um, we have continuously been navigating the roller coaster that is a pandemic and mm-hmm. really unsure of what drop is ahead or what high is ahead and knowing that we don't have to be in that cloud alone mm-hmm. um just feels really comforting to me so that's something that yeah. just automatically came to mind yeah yeah i'm thinking I feel like if I'm putting myself in this text, I very much feel like I'm in the position of Peter, James, and John. And I can almost feel their fear um, of what it's like to be in that disorienting space, to not know what's going on, to not have Jesus speaking or explaining like he's doing with parables or other things. Um, there's, There's no explanation here. It's just happening. And so... I can imagine that fear, um, and similarly to the fear that, you know, we all experience. Also, just being weighed down with sleep feels really relatable. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. all of this stuff and, like, yeah, they're together and they're just tired and they're trying to stay awake right. and they can't. And this wild thing's happening. I can almost imagine them thinking, like, is this real or is this a dream? Is this... You know, and I, I sometimes, you know, when I'm really tired, my fears tend to get amplified. Oh, my worries, my reach. anxieties, my disorientation, all of that is amplified. So I can only imagine where they're at and how they're feeling in that. Yeah, for context, we're recording this at the end of the week of our intensive class uh, at <laughs> yes. Trinity Lutheran Seminary. And so um, not only are we, you know, definitely feeling tired from the week and also just, you know, as we're adjusting to the patterns of, um, you know, being in ministry and what that means. But yeah, also intensive classes are intense for, you yes. know, it's in the name. They are aptly named. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was standing out with me and what I was thinking about was um, this voice of God coming from the cloud. And I realized that Moses also heard God speak in the burning bush and Elijah mm-hmm. heard God speak in the silence, oh. and now we have a cloud. Um, I love and and so we're we're just like getting different ways that God is speaking, uh, and I'm, I was just thinking of this in relation with the cloud and with how disorienting that can be, and how, in all of the cases. Um, when God was speaking, it was really disorienting for the people. Like we know Moses was like, was this bush speaking to me? Like what the heck? And, um, you know, obviously recognized that it was holy ground and whatnot, but was a little bit confused and taken aback by like what was happening. Um, and Elijah was expecting God's voice to be in, uh, 
the loudness of life and nature and whatever. And then it wasn't until it was silent that um, Elijah finally heard God speaking. And now again, we have this like disorientation and this cloud coming over them and obscuring things. Um, And then we get God's voice again. Uh, And so I just think that that's just like applying that to my life of like sometimes when things are crazy or busy or um, like you were saying, Morgan, like when your anxiety is up or your fears are up and that kind of thing, like sometimes it can be um, hard to like pick out God's voice in that. And like, uh, and sometimes like maybe it is in that craziness or maybe sometimes it's, we have to wait until the silence, like wait till it stops and then God will speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just recognizing that God's voice comes up in different ways is what I'm just thinking about and reflecting on and going to be wrestling with that one for a while. (laughs) Um, And God will always speak. Like, yeah, Yeah. I really appreciate you bringing in those narratives of Moses and Elijah. And now here with these disciples that continuously we see God speaking in so many different ways. Right. And that's part of that tradition, like we mentioned earlier, that gets brought into a passage like this is that, you know, people who were reading this, if you think about those, the audience this was written for when they're reading this gospel for the first time, they know the stories of Moses and Elijah. They know the, the ways that those figures have formed their own faith and tradition and people and so bringing all of that into this text makes it so much deeper than just the surface level you know oh yeah these are the two biblical characters just happen to show up Mm -hmm. Uh, there's real depth there yeah i like that a lot wow the bible's so cool the bible is so so cool. cool also can i just mention something else that i'm excited about 100 percent. great this just really I'm a big fan of this text. Yes. Um I love this part where it says I've never heard someone preach on this. Um maybe I will someday in a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like it says that while he was praying the appearance of his face changed. Mm. Like mm. I think there's an assumption because that it says dazzling white that like it was that kind of change, but I'm wondering if it's like from a like a prayer posture that seems really solemn to like a smile Mm -hmm. or like Um, or tears or like just an emotional response um and just how like there is this gospel for transformation in in our bodies and in our lives and in our worlds and just like um how powerful that can be so i'm I'm just really excited about it. <laughs> you, you all can't see my face. I'm having an epiphany over here. I, wow, okay. This is making me think about, you know, what makes this happen to Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Often we think it's like, like in Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit coming down. Um, and and I, every time I've read this passage, I assumed that God the Father is making Jesus' clothes dazzling white, but maybe it's Jesus' own power, it's Jesus' oh. own presence oh. that that expression changes, and I'm getting so excited. <laughs> that expression changes, and it's Jesus' whole body just oh. expressing. <laughs> you, you wow, Jesus' whole being, like, expressing 
that feeling in prayer and what mm. oh gosh you and can just do the, so the much fullness of his divine and human nature right like that embracing that and also yeah. like how that is reflected in us as created and made in god's own image yeah. of wow. like this fullness and transformation yes because then it's through that power it's after that that moses and elijah show up that the cloud comes and they hear god's voice mm. so it's it's as if Jesus is ushering all of that in, but it's Jesus's divinity and humanity both together in that expression in his body that's ushering this whole thing in. I never thought about it that way. I always thought about it as God, the Father, making it happen. That's so cool. So cool. Our bodies are amazing. Jesus is amazing. The Bible is amazing. Resurrection is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think there's nothing left to do, but on that note, go to the last section, which is invitation. So what are we being called to do? I think Sammy's being called to preach. So. Yes. Sure. Good thing I'm in seminary. <laughs> yes. Gosh, with this, I mean, with this latest little epiphany, I'm being called to express my faith with my whole body oh yeah yeah that one went right from my throat (laughs) (laughs) like what are the ways that i i can pray with my whole body and my whole being and feel that presence um and for some people that comes really tangibly for some people that touchy-feely kind of experience of god is not their thing um but i think there are so many different ways we can encounter god um and many ways we can do that with our bodies and that's Wow. Blowing my mind. That's Ooh. what it's calling me into. Ooh. Ooh. So we've been in um, like a hermeneutics of preaching class. So we're talking about interpretation and preaching and everything. And we've been talking about how in sermons, how connecting those, um, those stories with the five senses and like the bodily yes. senses and like connecting those stories mm-hmm. with the body is like ties the sermon uh, in like into the lived experience and so like we can really relate these stories into that lived experience and I feel like the you're like hitting on that too of like really being called to like tying you know these stories into like our five senses and so that we can really ground these stories in our lived experience yeah. mm. <laughs> now I'm like so excited to preach on this someday yeah. <laughs> yes Jeez. and just hear that good news right yeah. yes that Jesus knows what it's like and sometimes life can be very disorienting and cloudy and other times there can be moments of dazzling like yeah. light and radiance and we get to like feel and carry all of that in our body and it is good and wonderful and Jesus is with us in that. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so good. Wow. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm going to be sitting with that one for a while. That's a lot to think about, but that's really, really cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you to Morgan and Sammy for recording this podcast with me. I hope that you had as much fun listening to it as we had recording it. Um, And so hopefully as we... Look towards transfer, transfer. Oh my goodness, transfiguration. Transfiguration. <laughs> transfiguration. As we look towards transfiguration, 
Sunday, uh, you have a good sense of uh, what's going on in this text and how you might see this text playing out in your life.